This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. What is good, everybody? Rob Stats Guerrera and Michelle Smallin filling in for Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Michelle, I got to know, before you heard that, did you know Jimmy Pearsall? No. <laughs> See, I feel like as we welcome in Chris Canty on the program, Chris, he kind of, Carlin kind of pulled a tough one on you. That's a deep cut. Yeah, he dated himself a little bit. I don't feel bad now that Michelle doesn't know what those stats. Like, Michelle is the end-all, be-all. Like, if she knows it, then I would feel a little more guilty about it. But because she doesn't know it, I feel like I get a pass. I think that's fair. And certainly going to be fair for me. I'm Look, I'm in your chair right now. So if anybody gets a pass, it's you on your own show. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. So we have been, as everyone here on ESPN Radio has been, debating the top five wide receivers in the NFL. I heard your list. For anyone that didn't, it's Jamar Chase at five, Stephon Diggs at four, Devontae Adams at number three, Tyreek Hill at number two, and Justin Jefferson at number one. I gave my list earlier, Chris. I had Devontae Adams number one. I am stunned that you had him at three. Yeah, I I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding with Justin Jefferson. I mean, the guy has 70, he's got a 70.7% catch per target ratio. I I, I don't, I just like, you throw it in his general direction, he's going to be able to come down with it. And he's a, he's a human, you know, he's a human highlight reel in terms of what he's done. Think about this. His, his uh, rookie year, he goes for, 1,400 yards. His sophomore campaign, he puts up 1,600 yards. And in his third year, he goes for 1,800 yards. He's going to smash every record, barring health, that the Minnesota Vikings have in the record book when it comes to wide receivers. And they've had some pretty good ones around there. Oh, I don't know, guys like Randy Moss, guys like Chris Carter. And Justin Jefferson is on pace to outdo both of them. So I, I, I don't know how you don't have him as the best wide receiver in football. I get it. Devontae over the last two years has got 3,000 yards receiving. That, that's great. But if you look at the trajectory of Justin Jefferson is what he's doing with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like from a talent standpoint, this is the guy that, that's going to own the league when it comes to the best at the wide receiver spot. So, Canty, as you're sitting there, you're crunching the numbers, you're you're grinding the tape out, you're putting together this list. Who is the wide receiver that you had the toughest time leaving out of your top five? A.J. Brown. He was the first out for me. A.J. Brown is an absolute dog. I mean, he transformed the Eagles' offense. And if we're being honest, transformed Jalen Hurts. When Howie Roseman made that trade a couple of years ago, it was with Jalen Hurts in mind trying to figure out whether or not he has a franchise quarterback. And A.J. Brown helped them answer that question with an emphatic yes. But just look at what he was capable of doing last year, nearly 1,500 yards receiving. But it's just the ability to be that dominant force as a receiver outside of the numbers. It's almost T.O.-esque if you think about how he plays the receiver position. This guy is a bona fide bully. I just remember watching a couple of games last year, and the Steelers game is the, really the one that stands out to me. I mean, you're talking about this guy just bullying defenders 
and, and catching passes and just deboing guys. Like it just it doesn't matter <laughs> if he's double covered. It doesn't matter. He's gonna come down with it. And I remember that game specifically where AJ Brown just made highlight real catch after highlight real catch. Not to mention what he did in the Super Bowl, um, making a big time over the shoulder catch for um, a touchdown there. I, I just think that this guy shows up. He dictates front and coverage, and the physicality that he plays with marries well with what they want to be on the offensive side of the ball. Six catches for 156 yards and three touchdowns in that game against the Steelers. And I, I gave A.J. Brown a lot of credit. I had him at four on my list because everywhere he's been, he's been in a run-first system, and he's still putting up these numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing what this guy can do. And that, and that, I think, is attributed to his greatness, right? Even when he's not getting a, getting the ball, he finds a way to impact the game, not even not just dictating front and coverage, but actually being a more than willing blocker when it comes to the run game. You don't spring a lot of those long runs that we saw from Derrick Henry or long runs that we saw from Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders without A.J. Brown being a pretty damn good down-the-field blocker. And so I just think that that's just attributed to him being a complete player at the position that's really been known to have a lot of diva personalities. This guy doesn't take that approach when it came when it comes to actually putting in the work on the field in his production. So I think that's one of the things that we can point to A.J. Brown and say is a dominant trait for him, his ability to not only be a, a physical pass catcher, but a physical down-the-field blocker at the wide receiver spot. All right, Canty, I want I want to pivot from wide receivers to quarterbacks. So former Bucks and current Jet safety Jordan Whitehead was comparing the situation with Aaron Rodgers joining the Jets to when Tom Brady came to the Bucks. He said it was kind of the same situation he fell into in Tampa Bay. It was a great defense the year before. They had one thing that was missing, and he let everyone know that they have to have the right group. So when you look at the the situation with Tom Brady when he joined the Bucks, it was kind of a a turnkey situation for him. Do you think Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is similar? No, I don't. I I, I mean, listen, Tom Brady was a big part of how Bill Belichick established a culture that led to six championships in New England. Stop me if anybody has said Aaron Rodgers is a quote-unquote culture setter wherever he goes. (laughs) I've never heard that before. If anything, he detracts from what you're trying to build from a culture standpoint. Now, from all accounts – he, he's been, you know, the consummate professional with the Jets. He's embraced a leadership role. So maybe there's uh, a, a little bit of learning based on how things ended in Green Bay and, and Aaron Rodgers wanting to be more like what we saw from Tom Brady in 2020. But I got to see it on the field before I'm going to buy into it, guys. And the true test will come when this team hits inverse, adversity. As, and, and it's inevitable. Every team does hit some adversity at some point. But especially when you're in the New York media market, um, it, it just, it's a different thing. This team loses two or three games relatively early in the season. The sky will be falling. And how Aaron Rodgers responds is really what's going to set the tone on how other guys are going to respond in that locker room. And to me, that will tell whether or not he's truly helped this team establish a new culture, one that can end the longest playoff drought in North American team sports. Rob Stats, Guerrero, Michelle Smallman filling in on Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio with Chris Canty. And I totally agree on Aaron Rodgers, Chris. You mentioned adversity. It could come early. The Jets start the year with Buffalo. Then they go to Dallas. They're home against New England and home against Kansas City. They could very easily be 1-3, and, and all Ooh. those good vibes Aaron Rodgers has are going to be gone. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. Do you know what they're going to be saying if if the Jets only win one game by the time we get to uh, you know the, the the quarter pole of the season? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine what people are going to be saying about this team? Uh, I mean, listen, they'll be ready to run Aaron Rodgers out of town with the pitchforks. <laughs> but 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 I remember we said something similar about the New York Jets at the beginning of last year. We talked about how daunting the schedule was, and, and the New York Jets ended up going something like 6-3 and three through the first nine games. They had an absolutely brutal schedule on paper in the first nine games, and we were saying, well, I don't know if the Jets are going to have a chance to get to the softer part of their schedule. Turns out that was flipped. They had the good start. Defense ran out of gas because the offense was so inept. They end up finishing 7-10. and 10. But if you get competent quarterback play, which the Jets should be in line to do, because you have Aaron Rodgers and not the combination of Zach Wilson and Mike White, then you're going to be talking about a team that's going to win a lot of games. If, if last year, if the Jets would have just scored league average in all of their games, they would have went 11 and 6 and been in the playoffs. Instead, they went 7 and 10. So that just shows you that defense doesn't need you to spot them a whole lot of points, but they need better than what the Jets were able to give them last year, which is an offense that was good for fourth worst in terms of scoring points. Chris Canty, I will love to see the headlines in the New York Post when Aaron Rodgers struggles, or if he struggles with the Jets. Those will be fun. But there's a lot of rumors out there about Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, where they're going to go. Some speculated maybe they would join Aaron Rodgers in New York. But where would you like to see those two land? Man, Dalvin Cook in Miami, it just seems right, doesn't it? He's from Mm -hmm. there, played his high school ball there, made a huge name for himself. Um, at Florida State, I, I would love to see Dalvin Cook go back down to the Sunshine State because that would be arguably the fastest offense in the National Football League. If you've got Dalvin Cook at running back and you've got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, goodness. I mean, Cedric Wilson, they, 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 they would have a really, really, really fast offense, and that would be fun to watch. Just give Tua another toy to, to have at his disposal and just thinking about how that would play in terms of what uh, Mike McDaniel wants to do with that offense, being able to run inside, outside zone. To me, that would be the perfect mesh for what their scheme is on offense. Dalvin Cook with the Miami Dolphins. I would love, love to see that. You mentioned Tua. Uh, the story this week was that he's doing jujitsu in the offseason to help him kind of learn how to fall in the hopes that he can minimize some of the concussion issues that he had last year. Do you think that is likely to work, or do you think that's kind of like, hey, he's trying, but it's much to do about nothing? Uh, I think it's much to do about nothing, but the fact that he's aware of it is 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 a good thing, I'm guessing. The most important thing is to know when the journey's over, right? Like, for Tua, it's getting rid of the football, not taking on some of those hits. I get that you want to hang in there and, and try to make the big play, but the most important play is the next play. You know, you, you saw what this team is with Tua in the lineup. It's the most explosive offense in the NFL. I mean, it, 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 there's, there's no debating that. You can argue it, but the numbers bear that out. When he's not in the lineup, they're a below-average team. Now, the thing that could be the saving grace for the Dolphins is that I expect their defense to be exponentially better. I I think their defense is poised to break out. They actually got a real defensive coordinator down there uh, in Vic Fangio, and he's got some pass rushes to work with, with uh, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb and Christian Wilkins up front. Don't sleep on Zach Sealer either. 
They've got a playmaker, Jerome Baker, in the middle of that defense. And in the back end, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, and one of my favorites, Javon Holland, who I think is going to be an absolute star at safety. That's going to be a really, really good defense. And I think that defense is going to take pressure off of Tua in the offense and not force them to be in a lot of drop-back situations where he has to hold on to the ball and try to light up the game in the passing game. I think them being more balanced on offense and being able to lean on that run game to set up play action in that defense bodes well for Tua staying healthy and available for all 17 games. Chris, I wanted to get your take on some NBA headlines today. We've talked a lot about Damian Lillard and his future with Portland. We know that he and his agent are going to speak with team officials today. And as you look at that situation and you diagnose it, do you think it's time for Dame to leave the Trailblazers? Yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time. Like, <laughs> I, I get that he wants to give them every opportunity. And, and we got to see what's going to happen in free agency, right? The early part of free agency, they've got their targets, guys that they want to go after. The Draymond Greens of the world, they're not going to get him. There's no way Draymond's going to sign up to do that. There are other guys that they're probably going to try to check in on, but I think ultimately they end up coming up empty. Portland has never been a free agent destination. And so with that being said, I think they're ultimately forced to move Dane. Like there's a reason why his agent is going to huddle up with the organization and see what the plan is and and what they're going to do in the early part of free agency. But if they don't come up with a deal – that brings in another player that's going to help Dame compete at a championship level, and it's hard to imagine a pathway to them doing so, then I think he's out of there. I really do. Rob Stats Guerrero, Michelle Smallman here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio talking with Chris Canty. So, okay, the Blazers say, that's it, we're doing this thing. Where is the best landing spot for Dame? Oh, I mean, it has to be Miami, right? That's I mean, it has to be Miami. He's doing the live on social media with Will Smith's <laughs> Welcome to Miami playing in the background over the weekend. Yes. He said that on, on Brian Custer's podcast, Miami or Brooklyn would be the two places that he would be most interested in and how he's got a great relationship with Bam Adebayo. The two talk on a daily basis. I, I just – I would have a hard time – if he left Portland, I would have a hard time believing that it would be a place other than Miami. Now – yeah, there would be a lot of work for Miami to do in order to put a package together. But if you use Caleb Martin and Tyler Hero as the building blocks with that package and couple that with a couple of draft picks and potentially getting another team involved, then maybe you can get a package of picks and players strong enough in order to lure Dame from Portland. But I, I just I look at a big three in Miami with Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. I mean, when when Pat Riley has one all-NBA player, he's going to get to a finals. When he's had two, he's won two championships over a span of four years. That was with LeBron and D-Wade. It's hard to think that with Damian Lillard in the fold in Miami, with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they wouldn't get back to an NBA finals and have a chance to win a title. Okay, Candy, so we're watching all of these players find new landing spots. Chris Paul is now with the Golden State Warriors, which leads me to the Lakers. Of course, we had to ask you about the Lakers. What does Rob Palinka do next? <sighs> I mean, that, that is really, really interesting. Um, I, I don't know. There's not a ton of flexibility. I think the most important thing is keeping your own. So keeping Austin Reeves, keeping Rui Hachimura, um, if you can find a way to keep some of the other guys, Lonnie Walker, those, those guys around, then that'd be great. But I think you got to keep your own, um, and, and then you'll see what happens. I, I don't think going after Kyrie Irving is the move, 
with the Lakers. I don't love the idea of that just because you'd have three superstars at that point and you don't know whether or not those guys are going to be able to be on the court for LeBron and AD's injury, for Kyrie Irving, it's other reasons based on what we saw from him in Brooklyn. So I just, I don't love that. Um, I do think they'd have work to do in order to close the gap to the Denver Nuggets, but they just don't have a ton of flexibility to get something done. My thing with the Lakers, Chris, is you got to get somebody to help LeBron because LeBron now, I feel like, is all about management. He he can still be amazing, but he knows he has to save himself for the big moments. The problem is too often the Lakers have to depend on him to get to those moments, and then he doesn't have as much left in the tank as he used to. So I just don't know what kind of move that they can make that's going to help LeBron take some of that load off his shoulders. Well, they're going to check in on DeMar DeRozan, the guy that they, the guy that the organization thought they were going after before they got Russell Westbrook. They'll check in on him, I'm sure. They'll check in on the Zach Levines of the world and see what Chicago wants in a trade. But I, I just don't think the Lakers have the resources to pull something like that off. And if you're not going to land one of those guys, then, then what's the next move? Do, do you rely on just filling out the rest of the roster and depth and the improvement that happens with the team? Is your young guys getting better? And having a year more, a, a full year to play with, maybe that's possible. Um, again, I think it's this, this offseason, the improvement that the Lakers are going to make or the jump that they're going to make has to be with their young guys and potentially getting, getting better within the margins with some lesser moves. But I don't think it's going out and making a splashy trade during the early part of the free agency cycle. Canty, when Stats and I take over your show, it sometimes goes off the rails. My apologies. But earlier in the show, we somehow got to talking about Days of Our Lives. And then we somehow found our way talking about the shows that we used to watch when we would stay home, air quotes, sick when we were kids. So when a young Chris Canty was at home sick and he's on the couch, he's got the blanket, he's got the remote, what's your go-to show? Oh, man. I mean, uh, 227. I mean, my wife and I still watch the reruns of 227 <laughs> on Hulu. Um, Amen was uh, one of another of those shows, Different Strokes, um, <laughs> you know, with Gary Coleman. Like, there, there are a lot of – I mean, I could go with some deep, deep, deep cuts. Family Matters was one of them. Yes. Like, there was oh, a lot, yes. There were a lot of great shows back out there in the 80s. I mean, even to this day, I'll sit there and, and watch Martin reruns because the show Martin was just so damn good. So there are a lot of sitcoms that were awesome in the 80s and 90s that I'll throw it back to. Family Matters. That's another thing I didn't think we were going to get to on today's show, yeah, but that is a great poll by you. Chris Canty, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. I right, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for holding it down. Coming up next, let's stick with the NBA. One of the most famous team-building strategies of all time may be over. We'll tell you what it is next. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, 
not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Rob Stats Guerrera and Michelle Smallman filling in Stats and Smalls. As we like to call it here on ESPN Radio, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. We just talked to Chris Canty, who told us one of his go-to shows on sick days, Michelle, was Family Matters. I don't know about you, I was a huge TGIF guy back in the day. TGIF was so clutch stats. We don't have TV like that these days. <laughs> I can't tell you how a young Michelle would get so hype on a Friday. You know you're going to get a pizza, you're going to get some soda, an ice-cold Coca-Cola, and you're going to hit the couch and you're going to be locked into TGIF. We're going to get to the Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> and the process in one minute, but I have to put you on the spot. What was the best TGIF lineup? Ooh... Let me think. So Family Matters, obviously great. Um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, wow. the show. Remember that? Yes. Melissa Joan Hart. That was in the mix there. I, I'm trying to think of what the other shows were. Give me yours. I'm going to say Family Matters. Okay. Oh, Full Step House, by Step? Step by Step and Boy Meets World. Got to have Boy Meets World in there. All great picks. No, I forgot no about Perfect Strangers. <laughs> no Larry Bartokomis. Larry and Balky. Ooh, that was good too. The Dance of Joy. Uh, what? Uh, Which Family Matters was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers? <laughs> Why were they living together? I don't even remember what what was the story there. Well, Balky came to America to live with his cousin. Okay, so they worked together, and it was time for them to uh, soil their royal oats. I guess I don't know. Was Balky related to Jesse Katsopoulos from Full House? Was that a thing? No. Different families? Well, Jesse was actually Greece, and Balky was from a made-up country. Okay. See? I'm glad you, you're keeping me <laughs> keeping I have me two straight. more guys okay. that I want to throw in the mix here. Sister, Sister was TGIF, right? Yes, at one point. Sister, Sister, quality show. I need to revisit it, but I loved me some Sister, Sister. And I also want to give some love, I think, to Hanging with Mr. Cooper, because that was a TGIF show, right? Solid, it was. yeah. There was a, like, they had a, 
rotating shows there. Uh, this is taking <laughs> over my life now. Please call us up with your favorite TGIF lineup. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Don't blame me. Blame Chris Canty, okay? It's all his fault. Uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, good calls. We want to hear your favorite TGIF lineup. But let's go back to the NBA. Let's go back to the Philadelphia 76ers specifically because we're all wondering what's going to happen with the Sixers. Is James Harden going to come back? What are they going to do? And Joe Fortenbaugh had an interesting take filling in on Fitz and Harry today about the process and maybe the issue with the process in Philly. The franchise has never gotten away from their losing culture. This entire process started by losing. Hey, everyone, Hmm. stick with us here. We're going to do a ton of losing, but don't worry. Once we're done losing, we're going to start winning. I don't think that's how you can build a culture. As far away as they've tried to get from trust the process, all that early losing and tanking, they're still the losing stench in that organization. And they, as a culture and as a franchise, cannot get past it. And you see that every year in the conference semis when they can't raise their game. They don't have the toughness. They were not outplayed in game six by the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. They completely fell apart in the last six minutes of that game, cost them from advancing. What do you think, Michelle? Do you agree with that, that the process is to blame? I love that perspective because I had never really considered that when you start a journey with losing, that that might permeate throughout. And it has been one disaster after another stats, whether we go back to Markel Fultz or we're looking at Ben Simmons, Brian Colangelo. It just We could go on and on and on about the chapters of failure in the 76ers process. But I wonder... If we, if Sam Hinkie didn't have that turn of phrase, if the trust the process and the shortening of the process wasn't labeled as what Philadelphia was doing, if we would be so critical of it, because we we just tend to hone in on that. And yes. because they haven't had success, I think the label of the process has been what's been haunting them. Yes, they have Joel Embiid and he's an MVP type player and they haven't been able to get that elusive championship. But I wonder if we didn't label it as the process and we looked at it more of it's really hard to win in the NBA. This is a journey. We're getting closer and closer. Joel Embiid is growing and growing and growing and we're going to put the team around him that helps him ultimately win. If we didn't have that process label just tagging along with them the entire time, I wonder if we'd be less critical of it. Rob Stats Guerrero, Michelle Smallman here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I completely agree with you. The problem with the process isn't what they did. The problem with the process is they didn't hide it. They didn't try to BS people. They said, look, we're going to try and lose because we're going to get draft picks and we think that's the best way to build this team. By the way, A bunch of other teams do the same thing. They just don't come right out and say, we're going to lose, but stick with us. It's been done in the NBA forever. It's been done in all sports forever. The Houston Astros lost 100 games for like three straight years, and now they're kicking everyone's tail in Major League Baseball. It happens in all sports. The problem with the process, I think, is a messaging problem, not a philosophical problem. I am with you. And I look at their situation now, and I don't know, even though they have Joel Embiid and they have some strong pieces on that team, if they're really in a place to contend for a championship. I mean, they're in the conversation, but how many team stats would you list above Philadelphia when you're talking about NBA title contenders? A lot of them. Even if they bring back James Harden, I don't think they're very high on that list. He is just not good 
in the playoffs. There's been too many instances of this where he comes up small in the biggest games. So even if they bring him back, I'm not super confident in the championship chances of the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, people want to chime in, Michelle, on the TGIF (laughs) debate. Let's go with Mike in Charlotte. What was your favorite TGIF lineup, Mike? Oh, my favorite TGIF lineup, uh, Full House, Boy Meets World, Step by Step. And, I mean, that 9.30 time slot was always a revolving door, but for me, my favorite one was definitely hanging with Mr. Cooper. Nice. Okay, see? I like that. Thank you very much, Mike in Charlotte. Let's go. Patrick in L.A., give us your favorite TGIF lineup. Yeah, I'd have to say the best show, period, was Boy Meets World. Yeah. But then after that, Family Matters, Full House, Sabrina the Teenage Witch are probably my top four altogether. Wow, I didn't think Sabrina the Teenage Witch would get that much love, but Michelle, you were right on it from the beginning. Oh, yeah, the talking black cat, the ants. It had the mystical element to it. It was great. And I also am loving stats that Boy Meets World is getting so much credit here on Canteen Carlin as we dissect our best TGIF lineup. Mr. Feeney, one of the all-time great characters. And how about Topanga? I'm sure you had a crush on Topanga back in the day, right? I'm a red-blooded American male. (laughs) And as a female, I what I wouldn't do to have her hair. Topanga had one of the best hairdos we've ever seen. It was thick, it was long, it was luscious. I was envious. And then she got a cut and she was still... Just as good looking. Uh, We'll keep taking your calls on TGIF, but straight ahead, let's go to the NFL now. Could one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in the league finally win an MVP? One of his teammates sure thinks so. We'll tell you who it is next. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Oh, yeah, let it go. Boy meets world on the program. Rob Stats, Guerrero, Michelle Smallman here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, debating our favorite TGIF shows of all time. <laughs> Boy Meets World is absolutely on it. I don't know a single person that doesn't like Topanga. If you don't like Topanga, I don't like you. There you go. That's, <laughs> That's pretty my simple. take, and I'm sticking to it. That's a hot take right there. Little Eric Matthews on the program. Will Friedel. I love it. They actually have the uh, podcast now, Pod Meets World. It's Will Friedel 
It's uh, Danielle Fischel and it's Ryder Strong. I still can't believe that's his actual name. They like go through the episode. They talk to people from old sitcoms and stuff. It's pretty good. I got to be honest, Stats. Ryder Strong sounds like he should be the quarterback of the Texas Longhorns. Uh, he sounds like he should be doing some other things, too. But we don't have to dive into that right now. <laughs> Let's dive into the football. I mean, what? Am I wrong? You know, my mind didn't go there, Stats. I'm just saying. I can't unsee it now. Thanks okay. so much. Let's go back to safe waters here in the National Football League. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. I don't know if you saw, of course, Russ has to release his training videos. He has to let everybody know how hard he's working, Michelle. Did you see the new slimmer Russ? Did you see, hear my sigh there, Stats? Of course I, I saw it. Yeah. And that is one of my big frustrations with Russell Wilson. He just can't help himself. He has to constantly insert himself in so, into the social media conversation. He constantly has to tell you how great he is and how hard he's working and that he's doing high knees on the plane and that <laughs> he's, you know, to bring it back to another 90s cult classic, that he's doing the sliding workouts like he's Tony from Heavyweights. He just can't get out of his own way when it comes to the branding of Russell Wilson. Well, a lot of people think he's going to have a bounce back year with Sean Payton now in Denver, including Melvin Gordon, who thinks Russ can turn it around. They got the pieces there now that's just going to put him in the best situation. Now, what he do this year is on him, but you know, I definitely believe they'll be a better football team than they were last year. What do you think, Russell Wilson and the Broncos 2023? I hope he can turn it around. I hope that Sean Payton is the missing ingredient that allows Russell Wilson to return to the championship caliber that we've seen. The more quarterbacks, stats that are firing on all cylinders, the better the NFL product. So I hope to see Russell Wilson return to form, especially in Denver, because this is a franchise that just has not been able to get it right at the quarterback position (laughs) since Peyton Manning left. How many quarterbacks have they drafted or acquired? And it it just can't be the right guy. And then you got and you get what you think is a proven commodity and Russell Wilson. And he has a really rough statistical season. I'm looking at the numbers right now. 60.5% completion percent. The worst of his career. He had 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Prior to that in Seattle, he had at least 20 touchdown passes in all of his seasons with the Seahawks. He exceeded 30 touchdowns five times. And you know, there's always those those rumors that kind of plague him about how he's perceived in the locker room and if he's too concerned about Russell Wilson, the brand, and less about Russell Wilson, the player. And I hope that he can fall in line with what Sean Payton is telling him and that Sean Payton can get him right. But I don't have a lot of confidence that it's going to happen, not only because... I don't know if he's going to buy in 100%. That is to be seen. But because Father Time waits for nobody stats, and this is an aging player. The troubling thing with Russ, you're right, is that he's been banged up the past couple of years. He was never hurt. Trust me, I know this. I'm a 49er fan. I'm very aware of Russell Wilson's constant availability for the Seahawks. He started to get banged up a little bit. And I do think that, look, it's one thing for him to be kind of this weird guy off the field with the Seahawks when he's also having fantastic seasons and winning Super Bowls. But when that starts to dip a little bit, the tolerance for some of the other like shenanigans goes away. Yeah, it's it's easy to make the let's ride thing fun and frivolous if you're winning, if you're in the playoffs, if you're talking Super Bowls. But when you're more concerned with saying let's ride to the cameras than you are addressing the issues that are at hand, that's when people start to get critical and rightly so. You had to take time to think of that. Like that he literally spent time thinking about what is my new slogan going to be? He should have just said 
Forget all that. I don't have time to think about that now. I'm totally focused on winning a championship. But he didn't. He had it ready to go right out of the chute. What do you think about let's ride? Let's ride. What do you think about that stuff? I hate it. I hate it too. I hate it. I don't like the fact that he even thought of it. Like you don't, you don't need that stuff, Russ. You don't need that stuff. You're trying to do something that very few quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have ever done, which is win a Super Bowl with two different franchises. That's enough on your plate. Forget the slogans. I will say it's better than Mr. Unlimited. I will take Let's Ride any day over Mr. Unlimited. It's just like a human cringe. When he's on the sideline telling people, hey, we got to scream, run or pass, run or pass. And people are looking at him like, dude, what are you doing right now? And just if his play doesn't pick up, it has a chance to get ugly. And what do you think about the division he's in? I I wonder just as a whole how good the Broncos are going to be. I think they're going to be better because I think Sean Payton is a he's an adult as a head coach. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to succeed with a small quarterback as well. But I think the rest of the division is going to be better, too. I think the Chiefs are going to be better. I think that the Chargers are going to be much better now that Kellen Moore is there with Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be like a different quarterback. So it's it's going to Russ's job just got a lot harder. Yeah, that's the thing. I look at the division that they're in. What do you think? They're four out of four in the AFC West. The AFC in general, as we talked about earlier in the show, is an absolute murderer's row. I just don't know if he has it in him physically to have a bounce back season or if the team is going to have the runway based on the the division they're in in the league to even be able to put together enough wins to, to be in that conversation. When every single one of your division games is tough, that makes it really hard just to even get to the playoffs, let alone the group that you're going to have to go through in the playoffs. And I don't know. It, even they could be better than last year and not look like it, although they do have... The Raiders, Washington, and Miami, the first three, followed by Chicago. So it might not be a terrible start. But how many wins do you think out of those three that they can really peel off? Uh, Two, maybe three. Two, maybe three? You think they could beat Miami? Yeah, I'm not totally sold on Tua yet. Is that crazy? I'm worried about his health, but I think Miami is much better than Denver. Yeah, we'll see. You know, everybody's got a year to study up on Miami, too. That's a that's a thing. It's going to get tougher for Tua also. So we'll see if Denver can pull it off. Again, I hope they do because I'm like you in that I want to see everybody get better. But we will see. Straight ahead, all of ESPN Radio has been debating the top five wide receivers all day. Coming up next, I'll give you the only perfect list you're here and cover your ears, Cincinnati Bengals fans. That's next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.